for those that are new to the show, I've been driving electric cars for seven years now, and I got my Model 3 in December. What you might not know is that I came stupid close to getting a Ram 1500 instead. <laughs> That's crazy. Because <laughs> I, for no apparent reason, really want a truck. <laughs> I was like, it seems like the most practical thing in the world. I'm hauling all my kids' stuff all around. So I, I'm very interested in electric trucks. So whether it's the Rivian R1T, whether it's Cybertruck, whether it's the electric Ford F-150 or whatever General Motors ends up doing with their Hummer, I am exceedingly interested in that space. I have a deposit down for the Cybertruck. I was at the Cybertruck launch event, so I've seen this yes. thing in person. So the car that Jay Leno drove was the one that they had on stage with the windows fixed. The segment was hyped up and was stupid disappointing. It was like yeah. Jay Leno being like, ah, and then it was Elon Musk showing that you could sort of the what would be considered a tonneau cover that covers the bed. You could like stand on and it retracts automatically with the push of a button. That was cool to see. Other than that, there was nothing. They drove it for like half a second into one of the boring company tunnels and that was it. So if you saw the promo, you pretty much saw the whole segment. Welcome to Geared Up brought to you by National Car Rental. I'm Andrew Edwards. I am John Rentinger. And we've got what may be actually before I even before I introduce the guest, Geared Up is your weekly look at the world of consumer electronics and gadgets. Now, we and have wait, our best Andrew, guest. this yeah, this is the first time the guest did not introduce themselves and jump the gun yes. during the introductions, which may make him the greatest guest in the history of our show. There we go, gentlemen. Perhaps. This is Kevin Neither, aka Kevin the Tech Ninja. Yeah, what's going on, everybody? Hey, how you what's doing? Going Welcome on, back. Welcome back yeah. to the show. Thank you. Thank you. How many in times fact, has it been? You are the first three time appearance. Look at that. Claps on this show. Nice. Claps, claps, claps. Repeat. So thank it's you. Repeat, baby. Yes. It's like SNL and um, I forget. I forget who it is now. There was like uh, Steve Martin or something. Steve Martin had the most appearances as host of SNL. Really? Mm. When you hear three Pete, the first thing you think of is Steve Martin? Not, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, Listen. perhaps someone by the name of Michael Jordan? Mike, Mike not- with Jeffrey Jordan, you know, <laughs> that's, what was, that's what I was going with, you know, but whatever. Jeffrey? Yeah, Michael Jeffrey Jordan. That's his yeah, name? Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Michael Jeffrey Jordan, Kobe Bean Bryant. You could have picked Bean? any of those gentlemen. Bean. His middle name is Bean? Bean. <laughs> B Bean. His, oh his father, gosh. his father played in the NBA, and his father's nickname was Jelly Bean. Ah, okay, okay. So there's a there's a little bit of Kobe Bryant. Uh, okay, maybe rest in peace. Listen, for everybody. When you talk about some of the coolest people in history, and then you throw their weird middle name in, they don't sound as cool. I mean, that is that is <laughs> Michael true. Jeffrey Jordan. Come on, <laughs> come on. So <laughs> let's let's jump in to Listen. a little bit of a little bit of news. What what do you got? Do you want me to give you real fun celebrity names you didn't know? Yes. Or no? Ooh. I do. I do now. Now I'm curious. I mean, just, it's, it's up for you if, if you want to. This is how we can really take this show for a... Uh, <laughs> okay. How about Freddie Mercury? Cool name. I'll give you a couple. Freddie he was Mercury born cool Farouk Bulsara. Oh. Hmm. All right. And this one, okay. this one, this one's just for you, Andrew. <laughs> Macho Man Randy Savage. Okay. Oh, yeah. Slip into a Slim Jim. What is his real name? His real name. Macho. Randy, Randy right. Poffo. Randall Mario Poffo, correct? Mario? Mario. Ooh, okay. All right. Okay. I'll give you one more, and I'm not going <laughs> to falter for changing her name. Olivia Wilde. Mm, okay. That sounds like a normal name. Olivia Jane Cockburn. Oh. <laughs> and it's spelled exactly <laughs> like it sounds. Wild. Wild's a so, better. There you go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this podcast took a, this podcast took a weird turn from the, uh, from the beginning. Yes. Welcome, everyone. Um, real quick, <laughs> quick note, since the three of us are YouTube creators and a lot of our we listeners are. watch us on YouTube, YouTube released a new feature today. You guys know about this? The YouTube chapters? chapters. Yes. Chapters. YouTube yeah. chapters. No, it's the first I've heard about this. What are yes. What are YouTube chapters? So if you have a video that covers multiple top, let's say top five or whatever, you can now in your description, put timestamps to each section of your video. And then in the timeline, in the Whoa. player, it'll have different sections that people can click on to go directly to that section of the video. So your timeline in the player will be split into multiple sections. So yeah. very cool feature. And I'm curious to see how it'll do for like your analytics because people can know like, okay, four minutes in is where he talks about this thing that I really care about. So I'm just going to yeah. click right there and just watch that section. But I wonder how it's going to kill watch time, which is a 
big YouTube analytics driver. Absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, very curious because it could be something that lowers watch time because people just watch the section they want to see. But if a lot of people want to see that and they're clicking away from your video, not knowing if you're going to get to that part or not, it could have the opposite effect. So very interesting. But take a look at the YouTube player when you're watching videos from that one and you'll start to see chapters right there. All right. Now, I want to talk a little bit of gaming. Again, John Rettinger, I know this is not your forte right now. However, you make it you make, you make it sound like I don't know, I know nothing about gaming. Listen, I just don't listen. game that much. Okay, all right, fine. So let's see what you have to say about this. I want to bring Kevin in because Kevin won't stop talking about Call of Duty Warzone on Twitter, That's true. in the DMs, in the message app, the group chats. He's Everywhere. all over the place. He's posting clips to my wife, Kevin. <laughs> so let let's talk about let's talk about Call of Duty Warzone for a second because I saw on Twitter the other day you said this is the first time you've been addicted to a game in years yes and if there's any time where it's kind of okay to get addicted to a game not that it's not okay but when you're locked up at home what better time is there so break this down for us i've played a little warzone but i haven't gotten addicted to it mostly because i haven't played enough to get really good at it yet yeah what is call of duty warzone and why is it taking over okay so call of duty warzone number one it is a free game you don't have to pay any money for it so it's a Free game. It's a free, free full game that you can just download to any system, PC, mobile, whatever system you have. So that's number Xbox, one. Xbox, PlayStation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's cross-platform. So if you have friends on Xbox, friends on PC, friends on PlayStation, whatever, you can still all play together. So that's another thing that is amazing about it. So beyond that, it's just a great shooter game. It, it has that classic battle royale format where everyone jumps out of a plane and you get loot and everything like that. And you kill and the, the person that stays alive the longest wins. But it's just... It's done by a game company that makes great shooters. So it's a fantastic shooting game with an easy format, a free format, and you can play with anyone. So right there, that's like an elixir for fun. And then you <laughs> play with all of your good friends and you have communication. I mean, the game, it scales up. So when you're new to the game, it puts you in with other new people. When you start getting good, the game starts to scale to be a little bit harder. You're playing against real people too. So for me is that I found a good crew of people to play with every day. And then you start getting communication, all these things and you start winning. And yeah, it's easy to sink three or four hours into that game a day. If you don't stop yourself really easy to. Wow. Now, so the way you described it, it sounds like it's basically Fortnite, but in the call of duty world, would that be an accurate? Okay. Yeah. Just as good as a call of duty game. Like if you were playing multiplayer call of duty that you would pay $60 for, yeah. Versus downloading this free game. You're getting a similar experience. Yeah. So I actually bought the full version of the game, the multiplayer version of the game as well, because mm-hmm. the Warzone feature is free. And then they have like the side game, which was multiplayer that didn't have the Warzone feature, if you will. Okay. And I bought that just to level up my guns for Warzone. That's so much I like Warzone. <laughs> wow. So yeah, I mean, it's a full-fledged shooter and I enjoy the Warzone portion better than the multiplayer. I don't even play the multiplayer that much. It's really strictly Warzone for me. Okay. Now let me ask Mr. John Rettinger, who before yes. at the start of this conversation said, hey, don't disclude me. Don't make it like I don't play. John, what do you think? How have you been enjoying Call so, of Duty? So, you know, Warzone, Warzone is cool. It's kind of like the uh, Battle Royale <laughs> style game. You know, you jump out of an airplane, you get loot, um, you know, and then you go. I think, I think my real question, I think what it's missing are dance moves. The dance moves I find lacking. <laughs> When I, you know, get a headshot. Yes. So it really hasn't been necessarily the game for me, but so I, can appreciate, I can appreciate what it is. But if I can't floss in it, uh, it's, <laughs> or, it's, or it doesn't have a full Star Wars trailer inside of it, it's not really my jam. <laughs> I forgot Great. about that. Well, How well they, done. Well done. Why are they putting concerts and trailers in Fortnite, by the way? Because we can't all get together in IRL, man. We had to gather in video games. But I mean, I like think it, yeah. major corporations are doing like they are teaming up with Fortnite. Yeah. And so is it that everyone gets into a Fortnite game and instead of shooting each other, they just stand around yeah. and watch a concert? Yeah. yeah the yeah. Travis Scott concert was actually really cool. It was actually like I, I loaded up Fortnite just to watch it. And it was really cool. Like it's just special effects and all these things flying around and you can hop in the concert and do all this stuff. I mean, it's a special game mode you go wow. into. And it's okay. a special yeah, there's event, no, so you know about there's it. No there's, there's no guns. Yeah, there's no guns. Yeah, there's no guns. You're not okay, shooting people good. while that's Trevor good. Scott is dancing in the background. Yeah. So I'm going to make a segue right here. Could you watch 
the concert in Fortnite in VR? Is Fortnite available in VR? Or is it only you watch it on a screen? As far as I know, Fortnite is not available in VR. Yeah, that's what I, I, that's what that, I figured. That, that's my same assumption as well. Okay, so what is available in VR, though, is Pro Putt by Topgolf. <laughs> now, I, I was playing this game today. I contacted Kevin, because Kevin, in for those VR? who are listening, in VR, Kevin loves golf. When I first met him, he never talked about golf, and then something happened, and then he wouldn't stop ever talking about golf. I started playing we, it. <laughs> we'll, we'll, be, we'll be talking to like executives at like product reveals, and instead of wanting to talk about their products, like, hey, how's your, how's your golf game going? You're like, Kevin, it works. They, just, it, they just released a works. new TV. Can we ask them about the TV? No. So, no. How's that nine iron working for you? <laughs> so they, they came out with this game, and I knew... As soon as I saw it, I needed to tell Kevin about it. And of course, when I tell him, he's like, no, I've been, I've been following the development of this game for months. <laughs> I already know everything about it. But it's this cool game. You play it on the Oculus Quest. I assume it's available for other uh, VR. We have very different definitions of cool, by the way. Hey, listen. you Very different definitions. No, no. Of cool. Listen, do you have an Oculus Quest? Yeah, we all did the same matter. <laughs> okay, right. Last year. So. You grab your Oculus Quest, charge it up in case you haven't used it in a while. Download Pro Putt by Top Golf. You are transported to a golf course where the only thing you're doing is putting, using your putter, and the physics are just incredible. Like it's as if you're hitting. It's not arcade style. It feels very accurate. The way they've designed moving around and making sure you can get around the course without feeling like dizzy or nauseous like you might get when using VR. Everything is very well thought out. Obviously, Topgolf is a big name in casual golfing. Kevin, you said you've been following this game. So I played it today for about an hour. I thought when I first booted it up, like, okay, this will be it'll be fine. No big deal. But as I was playing, like, I didn't want to stop. It was it was really fun. And the cool thing is you can be in VR. And you can play multiplayer. So you can see, you can be on the green with your friends. You can watch them yeah. hit the ball and everything. Like that to me, especially in our current time where we're all separated, that's awesome. Like it's something that VR can do that even something like Warzone, where you're just playing with a headset and hearing each other's voices, being able to kind of visualize hanging out with your friends and just playing a cool game in VR is fun. Yeah. Totally agree. I actually play multiplayer VR uh, table tennis with a friend who I actually play real table tennis with. And it is very funny because like his shots, like the way he spins the ball is accurate to the game. So it honestly feels like I'm still playing him. All of his shots, like I know what he's going to do next. I know where he's going to hit the ball towards just because it does feel like real table tennis. And seeing his reaction when you, you know, when he scores, he celebrates or you slam on him and he's like upset. (laughs) Like it, you really see it. And I mean, it doesn't replace being there in person, but you kind of right. get that feeling that you're right there and you do feel a lot closer to that person when you're playing VR versus just playing over a headset. It is totally a, a real thing. I agree with you. Now, John started almost laughing when you said you're no, playing table I was, tennis. I want to know was, what's going through his I mind right now. So the first thing I want to know, and to everybody who's listening to this podcast in a car or at home, just answer out loud. What <laughs> looks more ridiculous to you? Watching somebody take a selfie? Watching somebody play VR, well, a table tennis VR at that. And, uh, you know, we can we can talk about some results, virtual results next week. Now, here's the problem. Here's the problem. John, you care too much about what other people think. I don't care how ah. what people think about how I look. I'm having a good time. I'm golfing. I'm wearing yeah. my gold shoes in my house. I don't care. <laughs> OK, and you, yeah, I'm, you're rock, the, I'm, you're I'm the, rocking my easy house. slides. In the yeah. house. You're in the house. You're in the I house you're outside. You know, you're not, you know, a selfie is like you're out somewhere in public. You hold a big True. selfie stick. You extend the thing out. I mean, come on now. That's more ridiculous. Listen, I got to tell you, I, you guys impressed me. I didn't expect you to use your VR for golf. I expected more POV adventures from you guys. So good for you. <laughs> good for you. Spicy. You're spicy today, man. That's <laughs> You're spicy, bro. Hey, people want some fun and unique experiences while they're cooped up at home. Get yourself, honestly, like all jokes aside, the Oculus Quest is a really yeah. cool device to have when you're stuck in the house. Like it's give, it gives you experiences that you wouldn't get elsewhere. Yeah. So, and then he's right. Joking aside, the Oculus Quest, I think it is the best VR experience that I've tried. You know, it doesn't require you putting a phone in or doing anything weird just for freestanding yeah. virtual reality. 
It's very cool. I like how it does the virtual mapping of a room. So if you're playing and you kind of poke your head through where you set your wall, you can actually see the real world. Yes. Yes. That's a really cool feature. You're not going to run into things. You don't need big pillars all the way around. They're sort of putting up these virtual walls. It does it all for you. And that was a, I think that is a killer feature. The reason I never gravitated towards VR, so I was worried I was going to be running around and like run into a wall. Right. Plus you can sort of poke your head out, have a conversation and then kind of come back into your world. So I'll give you guys a little bit of, uh, <laughs> of crap for your choice of VR games, but not for your choice of VR uh, consoles. How about that? Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Let's move on. We had uh, some questions and comments uh, from last week's show. We were talking about smart home tech, but we didn't really dive into a whole bunch. We just kind of talked about a few things that we liked. So we had a couple questions asking about what other types of smart home tech do we use? If anything, mm-hmm. how, what would we recommend people like maybe start with or add to if they've already got like maybe smart lights or they've dabbled a little bit? Kevin, I know, uses the smart things platform. Mm-hmm. And correct me if I'm wrong, but are you a Nest household? Yes, Nest. Yes. So yeah, starting off with smart things, what smart things is, it's a smart home platform. So you can use different objects that are smart things compatible. They're actually called things. Great naming. But <laughs> as long as you buy these smart things, they actually plug right into your platform. And it's very compatible with a lot of other protocols for for smart home. So for example, Z-Wave is a very popular protocol yeah. that works with smart things. So you can buy a generic product off the shelf that's Z-Wave compatible, hook it up to your smart things, and it works in your smart home. That's why I like smart things because I bought so many third-party stuff and it all works together. Like yeah. I have a moisture sensor that's under my sink. So if under my sink leaks, it can shut off my water in my house. You mm. can just set that up in the smart things platform. And I just bought a couple of things off Amazon for like 40 bucks. So I like that. But the problem is with a lot of smart home things that you sort of have to be a little tech savvy to kind of get it going because there's a lot of things that are just off the uh, shelf solutions, but to really get into it and to really use it correctly, you sort of have to know what you're doing a little bit. And that's kind of the one drawback with smart home stuff. As far as using Nest, I love Nest cameras and I love the Nest IQ cameras for outdoors because it has the 4K sensor. You can kind of zoom in and see stuff. Also, I just find that they are more reliable because they have a wired connection and meaning that it always wakes up because a lot of times you have a wireless camera and by the time action occurs, it wakes up, it notifies you, action has already completed. Nest wakes up in a matter of milliseconds for me and I always see the activity that happens. And also each Nest object turns into a mesh object. So basically you have good connection as long as you have other Nest products in the area. So that's kind of why I like it. Very nice. Is it? And now you're you're generally an iPhone user, and uh, you know SmartThings is a Samsung platform. Is there any compatibility issues that you run into? No, actually, the SmartThings app is better on the iPhone than it is on Android. Believe it or not, it's more reliable. It pairs better, and it actually looks better too. And I think there's a misconception with SmartThings, right? People hear it's Samsung and like, well, I use an iPhone, like I right, I, I yeah. can't use that. And I think what you said is very true. Like it's it's very cross platform. Yes, and I do a really good job with it. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Now, there are some things that you can do. You can take advantage if you have a Samsung product. Like you can use your phone as an object. So basically, like when you come home, it can then tell smart things your home. That works better with the Samsung product because it has other things that are running in the background and stuff like that. But it's nothing that's game changer. It's not going to be like, hey, let me trade in my iPhone for a Samsung phone because my smart things will work better that way. It's nothing big that it does better. Right. Makes sense. I use HomeKit here in my house. Mostly because I want all my smart home stuff to be as secure as possible. I don't know that any smart home tech is going to be fully secure, but I want things at least to be encrypted. My favorite part of having various smart home technologies and gadgets is how they can automatically work together. I think a lot of people think about it as, oh, I can just control my lights with my voice or I can control this camera with my voice, or I can get a notification when the camera sees something. But when you tie everything together, that's really where things become smart. Like what Kevin just said, he has the moisture sensor that if it senses moisture, he doesn't just get a notification that says, hey, you have a leak. It will turn off the water. So it'll automatically take care and try to mitigate the issue. Or for me, when I leave the house, if I close the door behind me and it senses that my phone leaves, it'll make sure the door's locked. And then when I come back, it'll unlock the door. And if it knows my wife's phone is not in the house, 
when I come in the house, it'll start playing my playlist because if my wife's not home, I got music playing pretty much all the time. But if she is home, I got to turn it down. So I, I never that's got that I'm into HomeKit. To HomeKit, I, I found that the UI to be kind of infuriating, and I, I haven't really done much <laughs> of this, the, much of the smart home infrastructure stuff. You know, smart things. Or, yeah. Or HomeKit, and I, I know I need to commit to a platform at some point. Now, as somebody who really hasn't used HomeKit that much and sort of switching from iOS to Android quite a bit, can yep. you still use HomeKit with Android devices? Like, obviously, things will still work, but not as smoothly. So with HomeKit, if you have a HomePod, you don't need to have an iPhone at all. Because it's HomePod Apple TV, no? Or Apple TV. HomePod or Apple TV. Okay. So you can have a HomePod or Apple TV. But I say HomePod more because then you can talk to it which you can't talk yeah. to, you know, the, well, you can talk to the Apple TV, but you have to be holding the remote to do that, which is going to be annoying. Thing. Right. Mm. But if you have a HomePod or two in your house, like one upstairs, one downstairs, they hear you really well from really far away. That then allows you to control everything without having to do it manually on an iOS device. But the one rule that I have, my personal rule is if I buy something, it has to be HomeKit compatible, but it also has to be Alexa and Google compatible as well. And for the most part, except for some very rare circumstances, if a device supports HomeKit, then it also supports the other two right out of the box. So the the Nest cams, those aren't HomeKit compatible, are they? No, Nest stuff is not not. HomeKit compatible. Yeah. Well, Nest said they were going to make everything HomeKit compatible, but that was before Google did the whole elimination of like the Nest platform and brought it into the Google account. So now I'm not sure where that's going to go, quite honestly. But you've got a lot of options out there. Like you can almost make anything smart at this point. You can even do something where you buy a motion sensor. And then if the motion sensor senses motion, you can set off a cascade of all sorts of different things to happen in your house. So I recommend just diving in, look into, I think the easiest one might be Alexa. Just look into things that are compatible with Alexa. Start there. And start with something easy. Start with something that'll make your life a little more convenient, whether it's lights or just locking your front door, things like that. You don't have to go crazy. But I don't really have any reason not to start, you know, kind of transitioning your home into into smart devices. What do you think? Yeah, starting off simple, especially having, you know, Alexa or Google Home to turn off and on lights, turn on the porch light, turn off the porch light, or just have it set up automatically to do it, which you can do in the app pretty easily. I mean, that's a that's a great way to start. Even the front door. Hey, Alexa, is my front door locked, right? You can simply do that with having a smart lock. Just some yep. of those things that are just the real basic ones are the ones that I consistently do every day and the ones that are automatic. So outside lights, lock the door, kitchen off and on, and then, hey, I'm leaving the house. Then all the lights turn off or, hey, I'm home, all the lights turn on. Those are very yep. simple things to set up within the app. And, and those yeah. are the ones that can get anyone acclimated with a smart home. There you go. Now, before we take our break, let's jump into a topic that I know John Rettinger will enjoy. The first few topics, not really his major cup of tea. However, (laughs) however, the Tesla Cybertruck. Yes. We're all about that. Now, all three of us own a Model 3. Is that right? It's like the tech YouTuber uh, starter pack. Right. Exactly. It's part of that. It's part of that kit. (laughs) So triggered. So Uh, triggered. Yeah. So we all own them out. So we're all familiar with not only EVs, but Teslas in particular. Cybertruck is coming next year. Elon Musk and Jay Leno had a segment on uh, Jay Leno's garage where they drove it around a little bit. It did. But it was nice to just see a little more, like a little morsel more information about this truck. So what did you guys think of this segment? So I'll jump in here. For those that are new to the show, I've been driving electric cars for seven years now. And I got my Model 3 in December. What you might not know is that I came stupid close to getting a Ram 1500 instead. <laughs> That's crazy. Because <laughs> I, for no apparent reason, really want a truck. <laughs> I was like, it seems like the most practical thing in the world. I'm hauling all my kids' stuff all around. So I, I'm very interested in electric trucks. So whether it's the Rivian R1T, whether it's Cybertruck, whether it's the electric Ford F-150 or whatever General Motors ends up doing with their Hummer. I am exceedingly interested in that space. I have a deposit down for the Cybertruck. I was at the Cybertruck launch event, so I've seen this thing in person. So the car that Jay Leno drove was the one that they had on stage with the windows fixed. 
The segment was hyped up and was stupid disappointing. It was like yeah. Jay Leno being like, oh, look at this thing. It looks funny. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then, good. That's, that's a good one. And then it was Elon Musk showing that you could sort of, the, what would be considered a tonneau cover that covers the bed. You could like stand on and it retracts automatically with the push of a button. That was cool to see. Other than that, there was nothing. They drove it for like half a second into one of the boring company tunnels and that was it. So if you saw the promo, you pretty much saw the whole segment. Right. I like how Elon was like, well, hey, maybe we can drive it through here. Like, I don't know. We can give it a shot. I don't, I don't know. Let's if we'll try. Fit. But then there's like there's cameras inside expecting their arrival. And there's someone like at the end, like silly. Yeah. So listen, the Cybertruck, I think, is very polarizing. I don't know if anybody who would call it a beautiful designed car. It is a radically designed car that appeals to some. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, cold rolled steel and sharp angles. When I first saw it, I thought it was a joke when they announced it on stage. So did I, I was be like, oh, OK, yeah, here's the real one. Now, maybe I've maybe I drink the Kool-Aid a lot, but my lease on my Model 3 ends end of next year when coincidentally is exactly when the Cybertruck comes out. So I'm like, oh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I could be persuaded. Are you Jay Leno? Uh, is that your Jay Leno voice again? Yeah, 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 you know, you know, it's, uh, hey, 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 Conan, let me get my job back. Um, <laughs> wow. So, <laughs> you know, so 500 mile range on this thing, zero to 16, yep. what is it, like 2.6-ish seconds, crazy amount of payload and a, a pretty practical truck bed and ability to seat actually six with the middle seat is oddly appealing. I'm excited to see what it looks like. I'm excited to see Rivian when that comes out. I will say for the Cybertruck, it is giant freaking enormous in real life you can look at all the renders next to ford f-150 and say the footprint is the same this truck looks like it is huge and imposing in person so when they say it has a similar footprint you're saying saying what exactly because it's hard for me to picture because i never i wasn't at the event yeah i mean because it doesn't look like anything like width and lengthwise, i think it's relatively similar to an f-150 but like how your eyes look at it, you know, things sometimes look bigger than they actually mm. are in person because yeah. of the angles and like yeah. how it's weird jarring. it looks. It's jarring. I mean, it, it looks yeah. ginormous. I mean, it looks like a F-350 in, in person <laughs> or Super Duty. I mean, it looks it looks huge. I have one pre-ordered. Not that that means much because it only costs $100 to pre-order and it's fully refundable. I never liked trucks. I always thought trucks were, unless you had a utility need for one, that you were basically just wasting gas money because of, you know, usually you just get a car or an SUV, you get way better gas mileage. So, but with this electric, I have solar 500 mile range and it, it just looks, I agree with you. Like the word beautiful just doesn't seem like the right word, but it, it no. looks radical is a good word, but it's, it just looks to me like so futuristic. Like you're, you're almost, yeah. you're almost jumping ahead a hundred years in time. And, and <laughs> this is how things are going to be designed or something. And so it was like, I need to get my hands on this. And I still don't understand, and maybe you guys know better than I do, why is it so inexpensive compared to the cars? Like, what is it? I can answer that. First thing, when I saw this car, I almost immediately thought Andrew's going to wrap his orange. Um, <laughs> like, you just, that was, that was the, the very first thought. Also, just real quick about trucks. For the first time in the U.S. in April, there were more pickup trucks sold than passenger cars. As an interesting fact. And then the gas mileage thing, whatever it's worth, the Ram 1500 Eco Diesel gets 24 miles per gallon. Okay. Okay. I mean, so much better than a lot of uh, sedans. Yes. So the reason that this is so cheap, there isn't any body stamping. That's a real big one. The reason the angles are so jarring is Tesla had to make machines actually bend the steel. It's cold rolled steel. So there's no stamping of panels or any of that. It's like, here's a bunch of steel. We're going to make slight bends and there's our chassis and we'll weld it together. Okay. That's why the costs are so low. And that's why Tesla is pretty optimistic, even with factory shutdowns and not having a place to build this yet. They could build this by end of next year because hmm. the, the assembly line is so much shorter and it involves so much less parts. You know, the complex stuff, the motors and the batteries, they have that, right? Right. Yeah, definitely. So first, that's why the car looks the way it looks. That's also why it's so cheap. It's like a... Kind of weird analogy. It's like a cockroach. You know, it's got its bones on the outside. You know, it's <laughs> the shells on the outside, and that's really the big reason why the car is so expensive. Hmm. Did not Makes know sense. that. I mean, it's cheaper or around the same price as a like an entry level Model Three. Yeah. For this truck, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's incredible. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Very surprising. 
So Cybertruck next year. Kevin, where were you at with the Cybertruck? Where you yeah, at with your car in general? So yeah, I, I mean, I love my Model 3. It's just too small for me. I'm just so used to such a bigger vehicle. My mm, previous car same. was so big and, and my car before that was a lot bigger too. And, uh, you know, I was holding out for the Model Y before, but yeah. it was to the point where my current car was just starting to fall apart. It was 12 years old. It was falling apart. I was like, you know what? I just kind of want to get something now. And then Andrew basically talked me into it in New York. He made me do a test drive and he basically took my credit card from me and made me do it. I started coughing <laughs> after I ordered the car. I started having a coughing attack because I haven't Panic put attack. that much money down on anything, even my house. So yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely interesting. So I mean, no, look, I love my car. Like my next car is going to be electric, most likely going to be a Tesla. But I think for me, a better choice is like a Model X, if they ever refresh it and like make a new one with the upgraded hardware and things like that, yeah, that'll yeah. probably be the, the car I'll be looking at more so than than a Tesla truck. Now, a Tesla truck it just has this appeal to it, but for me, it can't be my only car because I just kind of feel like taking it everywhere just kind of like over-the-top douchebaggery, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I'll just feel weird like going to a funeral in a, in a cyber truck. It feels like I'm not taking it seriously. I don't know what's the weirdest thing or like taking it to teacher conference and my kids been acting up in school and they look at the truck like, Oh, I wonder why your kids been acting up in school. Look, look what you drive. You clown. See, like, <laughs> I feel like, I feel like that's what Andrew likes about the truck. Yeah, pretty, it is. Yeah. <laughs> pretty much. I mean, people just know when you're coming, like, okay, we know who that is. Yeah. I don't want that. And I, I, can't, gonna, I can't put the thing in my garage either. So they're going to be everywhere. Yeah. And I was in the same boat. I, I, I would have gone for a while if it had come out and they'd offered leases on it, but my lease was like up. So right. I had to, yeah. I had to get a new car. Yeah. It's just, it's just small. I mean, I'm six foot two. I just don't like the whole, it's just, I don't know. Once you throw a car seat in there, it just, it gets small fast. And then the trunk space is pretty big, but you know, try to throw some golf clubs in there. It's just, it's just, it's just not for me. I'm more of an SUV guy. Are you going to keep it? Yeah. I'll keep it until another car comes out that I want. So, I mean, if the X gets refreshed, sure. You know, maybe, maybe so, but I don't know. I mean, I, I do enjoy it. I have a lot of fun driving it, but it's just not practical for as much stuff as I like to lug around and then just getting my family in the car, getting my family in and out of the car. So no, that, that's fair. And the S and the X earlier this week got a $5,000 price drop. Yep. I know. Ooh. So more appealing now, but I was also waiting for the S or the X to get the redesign. And when they didn't, I just pulled the trigger on the three. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, cause all the new hardware coming out and all the cool stuff the three has, I feel like it's sort of a technology downgrade. If I were to get an X, yeah. mm. pay more money for a tech downgrade. So Agreed. I just don't want to do that. Makes sense. I agree with you. So we're like six months into co-hosting the show together. Uh, and this is the first time I've ever been able to do this. After the break, we are going to come back with some sort of work from home discussions. You know, we all are content creators making content how it's changed, good and bad, working from home. Welcome back to Geared Up, brought to you by National Car Rental. I'm Andrew Edwards, and it is now time for the National Car Rental Story of the Week. As you know, Geared Up is sponsored by National Car Rental. And if you don't know, I also do a show with National Car Rental on YouTube called Technically speaking, where I bring you the latest, my picks for the best tech for business travel, whether you're business traveling or even whether you're going for leisure travel, there's a lot of tech out there that can make your travel more efficient or even more fun. You can check these episodes out at the nationalcar.com control center or go to youtube.com slash national car rent. The latest tech puts you in the driver's seat. National Car Rentals Emerald Club will keep you there. Once again, big shout out to National Car Rental for sponsoring Geared Up. All right, guys, we've all been working from home, as has a lot of the country, due to being quarantined, sheltered in place, isolated, whatever term you want to use. That's what we've been doing. So as content creators, especially the three of us, we're usually on the go. We're on the go, not just for locally to record videos and whatnot, but also flying around the country to different events to see things, get our hands on things, to bring the news to our viewers and followers. And we haven't, we haven't had that. We haven't had that for a couple months. So let's talk about some of the changes that we've experienced in our jobs, at least in our worlds. Yes. So I, I can jump in. I have three kids, which ordinarily are at school and yes. it's been fine working from home. I was about to sign a lease on a new studio space like a week before the world ended. So as, as a dad, it's been crazy hard to find time I have to coordinate with my wife, take the kids out for a walk when I can finally film myself. And I hadn't filmed myself 
in about six years. Okay. So trying to get used to filming myself again and then find a space. It just been, it's been a very weird time for work and for, for content creation. You know, and it also, it's been a weird time for the revenue side too, right? Like we're content creators. It's how we feed our families. Yeah. And nobody else has to disclose this, but I, uh, my March was the worst month I've ever had in the history of any of my businesses. And it was horrible. It was, it was really? almost zero. Almost zero. As far as new deals that came in. Yeah. Uh, in March. Whereas April was the best month that I've ever had in the history of my business by pretty much a factor of two. Wow. Mm. So it balanced out. So it balanced out. <laughs> it balanced out, certainly, but like, with what's the new average, right? Like, it right, was, right, right. It's famine or like an insane amount of fusion. Like, now my inventory sold out until for almost six weeks. Right. So it, it's a very strange world. We're used to going to events, we're used to seeing each other, we're used to going to these things, and now none of them are happening. You know, we didn't have Mobile World Congress. It's probably unlikely we have CES, South by Southwest, you know, all those kind of staples aren't part of our industry anymore. WWDC is going, you know, digital only. It's, yep. it's a very strange time right now. And it's been hard for content creators, I, th- I think, to adapt, at least initially. And it was for me. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. Luckily, I haven't had that. March wasn't my worst of all time, but it's down. But I've also been finding that I need to think of new ways to increase revenue that I didn't have to think about before. So let's just say, you know, January, February, et cetera, before things started changing, typically companies would come to me and say, hey, here's something that we're proposing to you. Do you want to work together? Here's the sponsorship terms. And I didn't have to really go looking for anything because they would come to me. And now... I'm finding that I need to be more creative in either approaching companies that would align with an idea that I already have and trying to pitch them or finding new avenues to generate revenue that I wasn't using before. Yeah, for me, it's just been a good time for me to kind of slow down because I was starting to feel the burnout. Mm. I did have a break planned after CES, but then feels like after CES, Galaxy S20 ran right into that. Like it wasn't a, yeah. a big enough gap for me. So actually I'm using this time to slow down a lot. You know, I mean, thankfully I'm in a position where I, and I don't have to go out and like try to gain new money or anything like that. Like I'm, I'm kind of comfortable where I'm at at the moment. So I sort of slowed down a little bit, some self-care, take yeah. care of myself, do things I didn't normally do, updated my website, got that thing going, just a lot of uh, background housekeeping stuff for me. And then organically kind of get back into videos and started covering things that I wanted to cover, knowing that it's not a great month, knowing that deals may not be flowing in. And I can just sort of uh, kind of take back my own YouTube channel, if you will, and kind of do what kind of got me into loving it again. So I sort of slowed down, played a ton of Call of Duty and um, kind of, you know, just just revving back up. Normally I was doing two videos a week, now I'm down to one a week. But uh, I I figured during this time is just a natural break for me. And that's kind of how I'm treating it. Yeah. I've had this weird, like when this started, I was thinking since I'm home and don't have to travel, like my main problem with travel is that since I was always traveling back to back, I'd only have a few days in between before I had to leave again, I'd have this backlog of content. So my first thought was, I'm not going to be traveling. I'm just going to be pumping content out nonstop because I don't have to, I won't have a backlog. It's going to be great. And yet I've found that my output of video content, at least, is the same, if not a little less. And instead, I'm finding all these kind of like what Kevin just said, just all this minutia and stuff that was on the back burner that now I'm taking care of. But it's these little things that take time to do and take time away from the main product, if you will, which is a video that the public sees and gets to watch. So yeah, my output that I thought was going to be drastically increased, maybe even double, is actually the same, if not just a tiny bit less. What about you, John? You seem to have uh, like a schedule down, at least prior. Have you yeah, kind of I'm, kept up your schedule? Yeah, you know, and I don't, I don't know if I'm different, but I, I have uh, three people on payroll, uh, excluding myself. So for me, it was important that the revenue came in so I keep yeah. everybody employed. Yep. That was really my driving factor was to not have to, to furlough or reduce salary to keep yeah. everybody paid. So we, we did that in March, even though it was really bad. I kind of for or went to salary for myself, kept everybody paid, and things turned around, obviously, in April for us. But it was it was hard in order for me to sort of maintain the revenue I need to keep everybody going. Mm-hmm. We had to keep our schedule down. So we, we have kept pretty consistently two videos per week. 
Okay. And that's sort of lets us get through our backflow. In fact, I had actually hired somebody part-time to come in and help us with editing because we had too many videos that mm. we had that we had done. So it just it's been very interesting to see the the feaster famine and really what we learned in March was how to redo our outreach, how to redo the sponsor stuff because like you I was really like people coming to me. Right. And then when that didn't happen, we sort of pivoted very quickly and was very surprised with the results. This is probably maybe too much behind the scenes for folks, but you know, this is our job, right? Mm -hmm, Of course. Views pay the bills and listens pay the bills. So this is a very kind of real discussion, you know, that was having in in March. I was thinking, well, maybe I need to sell some equity in my company to make sure I have capital on hand to sustain a long downturn, get everybody employed. And I kind of went through the gamut of, of things I was willing to try and do. So it was, uh, it was a rough, a rough March. I'm really happy to see things turn around in, in April and May. Wow. Wait, so just wait. To be clear, so March was the down month. March was the down month. April was my highest month I've ever had okay. by two. Okay. And May has been a really, really good, not the highest month ever, but like a top five, like a really good, no, that's really good. good month. That's good. I actually misheard. I thought you said April was high and then May was almost non-existent. I got. I was getting oh, worried no. for you. Okay. Oh, no, no, no. Sorry. I apologize. If maybe I misspoke. It was uh, the opposite. Okay, well, March good. was bad. And then we sort of turned it in April. We sort of had to re-figure out what we we're going to do. That's awesome. As for other working from home stuff, well, not really working, but being in the house. I don't know about you guys, but we pretty much don't leave unless uh like we order our groceries we order anything we need we'll try to order it so we don't have to like leave the house unless we like we're walking around the block or something to get some exercise but in the house exercise kevin has been killing it (laughs) we're apple watch friends hey actually john randry why aren't we apple watch friends let's be listen i'm 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 going back to apple be wearing my apple watch why aren't we friends yeah we need to be apple watch friends because kevin will be killing it and I must say, like, so I have a Peloton bike, which I think was part of why Kevin bought one. But then he got one and just started killing it. He rode his Peloton bike in the first two weeks more than I did in, like, the first four months of ownership. Ever. Ever. Yeah. And yeah. Not ever. But <laughs> but <laughs> I must enough. say, it's cool having someone like Kevin and his activity on my wrist because it will remind me, like, even if I don't get on the Peloton, I will still see like his rings closing, I'll be like, I need to do something. I need to at least close my rings today because look what this dude's doing. <laughs> so shout out to Kevin. Thank you. For the friendly competition. I do recommend, even if I'm not on it as much as you are, I must say, if I just had a regular exercise bike, I wouldn't ever want to use it. And the the, tech, the way Peloton uses technology where you can see your leaderboard, you can see just yeah. you and your friends. And you have almost like the, you have like a high quality touch screen attached mm-hmm. to your bike. It is alluring if you're someone who I imagine if you listen to this show is someone who loves tech and consumer electronics. Yeah, it actually sounds like you've used your bike before, which I'm very surprised. I'm surprised you can explain what's on the bike. <laughs> um, Get out of here. <laughs> no, so <Hey-o>. like, <laughs> so I mean, what I like about it, I am just a I'm a very competitive person. I'm just competitive by nature. I have two brothers and. I'm the youngest, so I've always been fighting and been scrappy my whole life. Mm-hmm. So it's just knowing that I, I'm always chasing something, whether I'm chasing a personal leaderboard or I'm chasing my personal record, right? It has that. I have metrics and all those things and stuff like that gets me excited. And also what people don't know or people don't talk about is just the high quality instructors. I mean, each instructor brings yes. their own flavor to the ride and you can find an instructor you relate to. Like they have people from, from all walks of life, you know, from everything. And who's so, yours? Who's your favorite? Just just throw your favorite one. Alex Toussaint. Alex, he's, Alex is the guy, like when you see the Peloton commercials and even on Saturday, Peloton is going to be on ESPN at noon. They have a half hour show where they're going to do Peloton on ESPN. It's getting very big because a lot of professional athletes during the quarantine, they're on Peloton and they're sharing okay. their personal usernames and you can follow them and see their crazy output. Like, wow, like these wow. people are like Roy McElroy, he's like a beast on the Peloton. He's like always top 1% in any class he's in. <laughs> oh my God. I mean, these are yeah. these are the top 1% of athletes in the world. Yeah. And then, you know, people look at a golfer and you don't think that they're going to be killing it, but at the same time, you don't have to be an athlete to play golf, but- Athletes play golf too, though. I mean, right. to make it to that yeah. next level, I mean, Tiger Woods was in amazing shape. He he trained with Navy SEALs, right? So like, wow. these are certain things that 
if you are athletic, you can do this better than some people. So that's just what it is. So yeah, I mean, I love my bike. I'm up to 70 rides now. So yeah, I'm very pumped about it. I, I love it. I, I ride probably five times a week. Man. So yeah. You're on, you're on it, bro. I'm on it every day. Correct. Yeah, I'm, I'm on it, man. Nice work. Thanks, man. So Peloton obviously has a, they have the bike. They also have a treadmill, which you can yeah. walk and run on. And I hear a rumor, and I don't know if this is true, that they're working on a rowing machine. Row machine, yeah. That's the that's the row. that's the rumor. That is the rumor. Rowing, because rowing builds like visible muscle, right? Like you get the delts, you get the shoulders and all those things. Okay. Like, you, like, like you get the beach muscles when you do rowing. So, you know, people may want to lose weight and also get, that's what the, I need. get the big muscles. Like, you know, with Peloton on the, on the bike, like, I mean, you know, you're building leg muscles and calf muscles, which is nice, but- it doesn't look good on the beach, right? It just looks like you, you've been doing leg day and nothing else, right? So, I mean, rowing is just a different type of activity and it, it's more accessible to some people who, who may not be able to use your legs or things like that. Rowing is just a more accessible workout and it's even lower impact than riding a bike is. So, I hope they do it. I hope they do it. Why? Um, so you can buy it and not use it? Correct. I want to buy, I want those <laughs> beach muscles that you just mentioned. Made me a little jealous. I need that rowing machine. All right, let's go to the last topic of the show today. There was another big launch this week of a new streaming video service, which seems to happen every month now or so. This time it's HBO launching HBO Max, which is HBO content plus the Warner Media library content. So things like Mm -hmm. Friends, all in one network. For $15, which is the same price as the still available HBO Now, which only gives you HBO content, again, for the same price as all the HBO content plus everything else. It's a very confusing launch. Have you guys given it a shot? Have you tried it? I did. I actually tried it last night. My HBO app, I saw it changed. That's what reminded me to uh, to open it up and give it a shot. I've been wanting to watch some of the DC shows. I really wanted to watch Doom Patrol. But I didn't yes. want to pay to DC Universe, whatever it was called. I just didn't want to pay for it. Right. So a lot of the, the DC shows are there. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to watch that. I don't think I'm ever really going to sit there and rewatch Friends. There's nothing in there that I have to have. <laughs> Some of the movies that, you know, that come on are on demand. But I am excited for next year, being a comic book guy, for the Snyder Cut. The, mm-hmm. the hashtag release the Snyder Cut has worked. For those of you that don't know, when Justice League came out, it was a very bad film. Yes. Uh, and it was a very bad film for a few reasons. Chief among them, director Zack Snyder had a personal family tragedy, had to leave while production was allegedly pretty close to being complete. They brought in Joss Whedon, who certainly is a very nice resume on, on TV, but also directed the first two Avengers movies mm-hmm. and did a lot of weird stuff. I and mean, I think the most well-known is that opening scene with the weird no mustache on Superman. So people always wanted to see what Zack Snyder's vision of Justice League should have been. And this has been a movement that's going on for two years, and there's rumors that it existed and it didn't exist. Wow. And now, you know, AT&T is saying they're going to put in, I think, $20 million of post-production to get the effects done. The original cast was coming back to do some voiceover. Wow. Uh, they'll probably release it. They release it as a, like a miniseries, you know, like four or five episodes, because some of the effects obviously won't be fully done. Um, but we're talking like new plot, new villains, new heroes. Wow. And this is really one of the first times that we've seen this big of a fan reaction obviously we saw like sonic get changed to yeah. look less horrifying you know but a new movie being released is awesome and i think the streaming platform is a perfect i mean it's, it's a what an amazing platform for that right that's actually incredible i didn't know that entire story but that's really cool that they're doing that for that at least for that piece of content i was actually a little disappointed like you mentioned dc universe right which is a separate streaming service which has 4k hdr playback Yet, yes. if you watch similar content on HBO Max, you get 1080p. There's no 4K. There's no HDR. I don't know what these guys are doing, what they've done to HBO. HBO is a, is a, is a <laughs> top-class <laughs> streaming service, yeah. top-class content. And when you log into HBO Max, you feel like you're looking at something that is more geared towards like a teenager. Mm-hmm. Aqua Teen Hunger Force is front and center. But if you want to see things like The Sopranos or True Detective or Curb Your Enthusiasm, you have to like scroll down half the page before you get to that kind of stuff. It's all like it's like having pop music when you're used to underground grunge. Okay, Boomer. I'm just saying. Wow, nice nice analogy there. Come on. What are you doing? What are you doing, HBO? Why can't we get 4K? 
<laughs> why? Why old man, is it? Uh, old, old man yells at Cloud. I know <laughs> a- Andrew's such a he's such a quality snob, man. I swear. I want quality. I want quality, and I want to be able to easily log in. By the way, so one of the things about That's HBO true. Max is if you subscribe through another service, like let's say through Amazon or through Apple, you're able to log in for free into HBO Max. However, they say log in with your, let's say, Apple ID. But when you go to log in with your Apple ID, it fails and tells you you're using the wrong username and password. You don't realize and nothing instructs you that, oh, if you want to log in with your Apple ID or your Amazon or whatever, you have to go into a different area of the app that is not clearly labeled and then link it in and then you can log in. Like this- That's frustrating. It feels like a bungled launch that AT&T just wanted to get in the game and compete with everyone else that wasn't really thought out too well. Because there's still HBO Go, there's Mm -hmm. HBO Max, there's HBO Now for some people, but not for everybody. Dude, So I can't can't keep up. It's a mess. They're going like full Microsoft. There's going to be like HBO Home Edition, HBO Professional Edition, HBO S, which is only part of the features work. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. You you hit the nail on the head. And then- They have their exclusives, and when any of these services launch, they have exclusives, and they have a handful of them. But HBO has like three exclusives, all of which are not that amazing. Looney Tunes, new new Looney Tunes. (laughs) They got Elmo's late night show. (laughs) Okay, sign me up. My son loves Elmo. Come on, my son. Your son will like it. Your son would like it. But for us, for the gentlemen (laughs) and the ladies out there who are adults. Come on, don't bury the great HBO content underneath Lizzie McGuire or whatever team. They probably drama. figure you're, you're, you're going to go to those things anyways if you want to see it and they want to show you something new front and center, I'm guessing. Why is Friends front and center? That's not oh, new. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, you're right. Look at Andrew here. I'm I'm no one wants to, to watch like, Friends. Pretty, 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 pretty annoying <laughs> that I got to go through and look for all those things. <laughs> Man, anyway, let me not bore the world with all my ranting. <laughs> that is the show this week. If you try HBO Max, let us know what you think. Do you agree with me or am I being too hard on the service? Now I'm curious to see what people out there think. But Kevin, thank you so much for joining us. Let people know where they can find you. Yeah, you can find me on Pinterest, TikTok, <laughs> Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, anywhere. I'm just Pinterest. at Ninja Speaks. Pinterest. I feel like I always make fun of you every time. <laughs> Kevin, thank you for coming on, man. I always always like getting a chance to uh, to talk and catch up. Yes. All right, guys. Thank you so much for having me. And that is it for this edition of Geared Up. Thank you so much for listening. Of course, you can catch John and I on YouTube. I'm at youtube.com slash gear live. And John is at youtube.com slash John for Lakers. Feel free to head over and subscribe to our channels to stay up to date on all the latest tech. Speaking of subscribing, you can subscribe to Geared Up in your favorite podcast app if you haven't done so already. Just search Geared Up, that's two words, not one, in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Casts, Overcast, or really wherever you choose to listen. If you like what we do, please consider leaving us a rating and review. It really helps other people find the show. Geared Up is a Gear Live podcast, and you can see more from us at GearLive.com. Thank you so much for listening. For John Rettinger, I'm Andrew Edwards, and we'll catch you in the next episode.